What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Ranking Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison. Pleased to be joined with the uh, negative Nancy at Marcus underscore Mosher. I already know how you are. I'm pretty sad, Elliot, but listen, only 17 more of these Power ranking shows to get through the season. We'll power our way through it. We'll be fine. So I tried to get you to feel a little bit better. Marcus is um, he's upset about the Cowboys, about Dak's injury. He's in denial about the way they played. No, I'm uh, not. They sucked. Um, a bunch of things. I tried to go positive with him, you know, that maybe this means if the season really is lost, they won't rush Gallup back. They won't rush Tyron Smith back, both of whom figure into their plans for 2023. And uh, that didn't do any good whatsoever. So, um, yeah, there we go with that. I actually got so depressed talking to you that I had to do something to lift my football spirit. So I saw that some guy posted Tony Dorsett's touchdown runs from a game against Seattle in 1983. It was just one of those random YouTube videos. So Mm -hmm. I watched it. It was six minutes. I highly encourage you to watch it. My gosh, that guy could run inside for such a little back. Holy cow, he was so quick. I mean, I, I think Tony Dorsett's quicker than any running back in the league right now. I'm I'm not joking when I say that. Um, I'm, I, I'm serious. I was trying to think of someone that yeah. was more explosive. Um, I I couldn't think of anybody. Perhaps you could watch it. You could watch the video and you could tell me, ah, I think this guy's quicker. Or maybe, maybe you could show me a running back that's really quick and powerful that fumbles at the one-yard line. That'd be really nice. That game was awful last night. Do you just want to go off in your two-minute rant about the Broncos? Go ahead. I know you oh my want gosh. to. There's no more annoying team in professional football. I'm serious. If there's one team I don't ever want to watch, that's it. I just, golly. I mean, there's so many things. I know we could talk about Nathaniel Hackett's um, clock management all day. Why do you let the clock run down like that? Then call a timeout. Why not call a timeout right away or just don't use them at all? I, I, don't, I don't get it. Um, at least if you don't use them at all, you have all three of them to stop Seattle. Or you use one right away. You go over your play. You don't let all that clock burn. And you don't play for a 64-yard field goal. You play for fourth and five. It's so ridiculous. Okay, putting that aside. Not mentioned on any of the post games or on Twitter or anything. I don't know how people that are analysts and stuff miss this. Final stanza in the red zone. We know they've had two fumbles. What did Melvin Gordon fumbled one and uh, was it Williams Devontae fumbled the other? Williams fumbled the other. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they've already had their problems. This is their third drive into the red zone in the second half. Okay. They're trying to get points. They're down uh, 17 to 13. On first and goal, they run a really smart play, a little shovel pass to the tight end on first and goal from about five yards out. Did you see this play? Yep, to Anthony. uh, Was it Anthony Beck? It was a great play call, and it it worked, and they scored a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, who – all right, I'm not going to say. Cortland Sutton. Let's just say Elliot's not the biggest Cortland Sutton fan out there. He does not have a number 14 Broncos jersey in his closet right now. Cortland Sutton, football player for the Broncos, jumps offside, playing essentially the X position. He's far left on the formation. 
Marcus, please give me any reason you're jumping off sides on a shovel pass. That's a pass for if anyone out there doesn't know what a shovel pass is. It's a pass to a back, a wide receiver, or a tight end where the quarterback literally just kind of shovels the ball right behind the player, right behind the center to the player as they're crossing mm-hmm. behind the middle of the field. The wide receiver, how far would you say Cortland Sutton was away from that play? 20 oh, yards? Yeah, at least. At least. Okay. Because he's on the wide side of the formation. Football field's, you know, 52 yards wide. This is in the middle of the field. Why jump off sides there? Are you going to say crowd noise? No, because he doesn't even need to. It's not like he needs to fire off the snap. He just needs to Stand stay there. out of the play. Yeah, the corner on that's covering him is not going to make a play. No, there's no way. No linebacker, when he's reading his keys, like when he's looking at the formation, saying, "Okay, what play is this? Have I seen this in film study?" No one's looking at Cortland Sutton to figure out what play it is. You know. Just do a little dance, jog, put your hands on the guy's shoulder pads, the corner, and call it a day. So he jumps offside. He negates the touchdown. I'm not done yet. Third and goal, they come back. Wilson tries to hit Sutton at the back of the end zone. There seemed to be some miscommunication between the two, two of them. The ball sailed behind Sutton. He had no chance to make a play on the ball. And he's shaking his head at Russell Wilson, frustrated. And I'm like, bro, you just jumped off sides on the dumbest penalty of the game to cost that play. I'm not kidding. That five yard off sale sides penalty cost the Broncos the win. That and Nathaniel Hackett not calling a timeout or, and then letting the clock tick all the way down and then calling a timeout and then kicking a 64 yard field goal. That, that also didn't help. Did did you see the stanza that I'm speaking of? Oh yeah. Yes, I did. Am I overreacting to this? No, it was, it was an awful sequence by Sutton in the whole Denver offense, but yeah, that was a killer. It was an absolute killer, but can we just talk about the end of this game sequence? Yes. Because I think everybody's wondering about the timeout and why they kicked the field goal. Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos coach after the game said, we felt better about our chances of getting of making a 64 yard field goal than picking up four yards. If that's if that's the actual truth, if they really believe mm-hmm. that, why did you pay Russell Wilson all this money? Hey, I'll go one better. By the way, we should explain, if you didn't watch the game last night, what the situation was. The Broncos were down 17 to 16. They had one last drive uh, to, to win the game, get into position. They got a couple of first downs. They got a fourth down conversion. They got a generous spot or a, yep. or a close spot on a play of the tight end. So they converted a couple of first downs. They're at about the, I want to say the 46-yard line. Around there. Around of there. Seattle. They've got a fourth and a long four, almost well, fourth and five. Back up really quickly. Uh, yep. It was a third It was a third and really long. They threw the ball to Javante Williams. He gets down with about 58 seconds to left. He made a nice move on that play, too. And Denver has all three timeouts. Okay. So, if let's just pretend Russell Wilson is not the quarterback, and it's Drew Locke from last year, who, incidentally, was on the other sideline for this game. Let's say it's Drew Locke, and you don't trust him to pick up that fourth, and again, it was a long four. If you're going to go with the field goal, and you have all three of your timeouts – why not just get McManus out there on the field right away, line him up. Pete Carroll's going to call a timeout anyway to try to freeze him. Mm-hmm. Then let him take his practice kick, which he did, right, Marcus, and he missed. Yep. And let him kick it 
And then if Seattle gets the ball because he misses, Seattle's getting the ball at the spot of the kick, which means they're going to get the ball at the Broncos' 46-yard line. Around there, yep. But you've got three timeouts. Correct. You stop them, you stop them, you stop them, and you go after that block punt like maniacs. Am I wrong? That's the way I see it. It, it. Like, if you're going to kick the field goal, that's what you do, right? You at least give yourself another out in case something happens. But what they ultimately did is they let the clock run all the way down to like 20 seconds. They used the timeout, which ensured that the game was going to be over based on the kick. And they kicked the 64-yard field. It, I don't get it, Elliot. To me, there's never been a kick in the history of the NFL made at that distance that wasn't inside or at Mile High Stadium, right? I mean, Why? maybe – I'm sorry. Maybe he was thinking – we make the field goal, we're not going to leave Geno Smith any time on the clock. I'm thinking if you want to call a timeout there, the only reason you call a timeout there, in my opinion, would be if you really wanted to get the right play call in because you're going for it on the fourth down. Yes. Um, But here's the thing. You make the decision to go over the field goal. You trot the kicker out there. I guarantee you Pete Carroll's calling a timeout anyway, so McManus isn't going to be rushed. And even if he is rushed, good. He doesn't have to think about it. Okay, he misses. The team gets the ball from the spot of the hold on the kick, which is eight yards back. Eight yards back from the Broncos 46 is Seattle – or excuse me, from the Seattle 46 is the Broncos 46. That means Seattle would have the ball first and 10 from the 46 with the lead, but you've got all three timeouts to stop them. Now – they're going to run a little bit of time off the clock just by running plays. So you're probably going to have what left over, Marcus, uh, 30 seconds, 20. Maybe. But it's, you have a shot. You, you, you have, have a shot. shot. Yeah. And what your best bet is to do in that situation is to go after Seattle's punter. Yes. Because if you let him punt it and he pins you inside the eight, <laughs> you got Game 20 over. seconds to move the length of the yeah. field. Forget it. However, with no timeouts. But you can go after – the punter, why not? Sure. Um, and I, and it, I've seen a lot of teams in week one were quite aggressive about going after the block punts. There, there was three. There were three coaches in week one with just awful end of the game clock management and situation management. Nathaniel Hackett, Mike Vrabel, and Zach Taylor, and all three of those guys, they they deserve to lose the, the games that they did. And they did. And I think the only one that played it really well at the end was Brian Dable with the Giants. I think he knew he had the lesser team against the Titans. And so he went for two to get a one-point lead, and it worked. I, do you think anybody's killing Brian Dable if they if they don't get the two-point conversion here on Monday or Tuesday? No, no they're no. not because he knows that his team just isn't as good. I, I don't know why these teams – and we like Brable as a coach. Zach Taylor we think is a pretty good coach. How do they continue to mess up these end-of-the-game situations where, I mean, it, it seems pretty elementary to me. Well, we could throw two more teams in there. Uh, one good example, one bad example. Uh, the bad example being Lovey Smith. Why punt on that fourth down? Why not give your team a chance to win? Do you really want to play for the tie? I, uh, I don't get it. Num- number two, a good example is Tampa. Once they realized the Cowboys' offense couldn't do anything, uh, in that game, and this was well before the quarterback got hurt, run the ball. Run the yeah. ball and yep. and have makeable plays for Tom Brady. What you didn't want to have happen is what Brady actually ended up doing is throwing an interception, but but the Bucks played that right. Your clock management comes into a game oh, 
so much. It, to, to me, I'm looking at this AFC as a conference. It, it's it's so strong, and you've got to these games that you just throw away at the end because of stupid coaching errors. They're gonna co- I would not be surprised at all if this game cost the Broncos and the Titans and maybe even the Bengals a spot in the playoffs just because you didn't op, you know optimize your chances of winning games. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that, and and uh, it really makes Week Two important. You talk about the Bengal Steelers and the clock management from Zach Taylor because the Patriots play the Steelers and in a pretty pivotal Week Two game. Pittsburgh could be two and zero, and New England zero and two. And then you know the other side of that's the Bengals. If the Bengals start off zero and two, there might be some doubt that sets in, and for the Cowboys in that game, if they kind of well, mail it in because they don't have their quarterback, then we know what's to expect the rest of the season. Well, and then the Titans, the Titans play the Bills this week. Like, can you really get off to an 0-2 start? I mean, I know that division is not very good, but I don't know. It, it, the Broncos are the worst of, of all, right? They oh. play in the hardest division. I don't see them winning the division. So they've got to, they've got to, you know, probably get to 10 wins to get a wild card spot. You can't throw games away like this where you're big favorites to win. You know, just one last thought on this uh, Monday night game. We're going to get to, uh, by the way, I should say, we're going to do some power rankings. We didn't do it this week, uh, this past week. We didn't do like a preview. We just started with this week after we saw the first batch of games because we didn't want to see how wrong we actually were. Yeah, but we never got anything wrong, though. That's good. <laughs> you know, um, I, I got to say, it's not so much Cortland Sutton jumping off sides as it is that analysts in our business and stuff, they jump on one thing and I understand the clock management was terrible, but those little plays like that change games. And for no one to even notice, to even say anything, it's like, what in the world is a wide receiver lined up wide jumping off sides on a freaking shovel pass? Yep. Like, you know, just sell a little route for two yards Anyway, okay, I'm done. Rant over. Broncos deserve to lose that game, even though they deserve yes, they to win. Correct. <laughs> it's they, it's they, one of those weird it, things. It was justice, right? Like when you when you have that many bad decisions at the end of the game, you deserve to lose. Yes, yes. And so we will get to the Broncos and Seahawks ranking uh, here in a second. Pretty wild week one in terms of um, some of the games that just were confounding. But no, I don't think there was anything so wild that we're all scratching our heads. I mean, even when we did our picks in week one, uh, Marcus, last week, you said, I don't feel 100% confident about any team nope. winning this week. Nope. So um, I guess the game, when I think of the kind of the weirdest, would definitely be the Bears players uh, hydroplaning after beating the 49ers in week one. I was not anticipating the Bears winning that game. I wasn't anticipating that weather. And uh, that reaction was awesome. So that was one of my favorite moments. But let's start at 32 like we always do. Marcus bringing up the rear, a team that I thought would give the Ravens a hard time. They gave them nothing, the New York Jets. We'll say I liked some of the performance from their defenders in this game. I thought uh, DJ Reed, their corner, played really, really well. But that offense is it's, it's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. Uh, unfair ranking alert coming up here next. 31, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Atlanta, they play better what, than that ranking, but it's hard to put them higher. It is, and I don't want to overreact to week one. You and I both thought that Atlanta might be the worst team in the league. 
Am I putting words in your mouth no, here? You're right. You're right. Uh, yep. If not, not bottom one, bottom three or four. Right now, I've got them at 31 because uh, Houston tied. I think Houston's also one of the bottom three teams in the league, but Houston got out to a big lead and they somewhat held on to it, unlike Atlanta. Uh, but the Lovey Smith decision is a little bit of a head scratcher. I do like their defense quite a bit. I, I thought they played really, really well in this game. I, I don't think the Texans are going to get a bunch of wins this year, but I think they're going to be very frisky. Any uh, confusion on how they're handling Davis Mills? No, they were using Jeff Driscoll a little bit on third downs, oh, almost like what the Colts used to do with Jacoby Brissett, right? They'd bring 49ers did with Kaepernick when Smith was yeah. a starter. Well, I was thinking more of the like Brissett quarterback sneak role, right? Where oh, it's yeah. third and one, third and two, and we're just bringing our big quarterback in. But no, it's fine. Uh, number 29, a disappointment for me. I really thought Jacksonville had a chance to go in and beat Washington. They did. A uh, big drop from Travis Etienne uh, on a little swing route in the first half would have been an easy touchdown. Uh, the game still ended up close, but uh, Jags at 29. Any issue with this? No, I, I will say Christian Kirk looked really good in his first game. I think that's going to be a – I know a lot of people killed them for that signing, but he's their best receiver by far. I'm excited to watch him play more this season. Tell you what, though, I will say this. Etienne is uh, – his first step, man, he is quick. He is really, really quick. He mm-hmm. is uh, He's an exciting player to watch. He had some nice runs in that game. That was a huge drop. Number 28, I don't want to overreact to last night. I've got Seattle. I still think Seattle's also probably a bottom five team. Uh, they did win the game. They got outplayed. Um, I think this is fair. Yeah, and it looks like Jamal Adams might miss the season with a quad injury. That's a pretty big one for them. They didn't have a lot of talent to begin with, so that's tough. Gave up a lot for that guy, too. Um, and it's unfortunate. Uh, number 27, I've got the Carolina Panthers. I thought Cleveland would go in and beat them. I thought they'd use their backs. That's exactly what happened. Uh, I'm still interested, interested to see how Baker Mayfield, uh, plays out for this team, but this is where I think they belong. Got a big game against the giants this week before they have just a brutal schedule coming up. Kind of a must win for Matt rule. I know it's crazy to say that in week (laughs) two, but it's kind of a must win. All right, this next one, I did exactly what you asked me to do. So we were on the phone last night. Marcus was uber depressed, having a scotch. And, uh, I mean, if you're a Star Trek fan, he was like bones. That's not true, by the way. I was so tired. (laughs) He was like Dr. McCoy when he was really ticked off last night. Well, anyway, I put the Dallas Cowboys. You said put them next to the Panthers and call it a day. That's what I did. I have the Cowboys at 26. I have a little more faith in Cooper Rush than you do. I have a little more faith in their defense than you do. But – Right now, it's looking pretty grim, and I don't see how I can put any of the teams higher than them uh, below them at this point. Dallas never crossed Tampa Bay's 30-yard line on Sunday night. Can't imagine with Cooper Rush and a new left guard, it's going to be much better this week against the Bengals. And we need to say, I'm not going to hammer this point. I'll let you do it. But they did not look good before the bad news uh, came in. They were were awful. They were awful before Dak got hurt, and they were awful after. Yes, the defense did make some nice plays when they needed to. Um, but, man, that run defense has to be a concern. Yep. Number 25, I'm feeling a little bit bad about this one. I feel like maybe I should move these guys up. But, again, I don't want to react to one week. So I promise if this team plays like it did in week one and week two, I will move them up about eight spots. They will be a huge mover. But I've got the Detroit Lions at 25. Yeah, I, I think that feels right until they actually start winning this, these games. We, they just can't continue to lose by three points every single week. 
we can't rank them higher till they do so. Yeah, I, I remember when Bill Parcells took the Cowboys job and he told Rich Dalrymple, their PR director at the time, he said, no offense, Rich, but, you know, I, I appreciate your PR pamphlets, but 5-11 and 11 is 5-11. and 11. Yep. And, and that's kind of where the Lions are, right? Yeah, it's great. You play tight. You play close. But, well, of course, now we have to say 5-12, and 12, Marcus, is 5-12. and 12. We both still hate that as a non sequitur, the 17-game schedule. Okay, let's go to the Washington Commanders, who are my 24th-ranked team. I know they won, Marcus. I still don't have a lot of trust in them. I still don't have a lot of trust in Carson Wentz. That game was there for the Jags to take. Uh, am I being too hard on them? No, but I will say, I thought Antonio Gibson looked really good. Like, actually using the way him the way he should be used. I still Except. don't have a lot. Yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in him from game to game. But he did play well. Put the ball on the... Uh, on the turf again, unfortunately, yeah, that guy kind of keeps holding himself back, but yeah, using him in the run and pass game, he he's, um, he's dynamic. Yeah, he really is. He really is. Uh, I, I was rooting for him last year. I thought he'd be the best back in the NFC East. That didn't uh, come to fruition at 23. We've been hard on this team in the preseason and I didn't see anything yesterday to make me change. Otherwise you already mentioned their clock management. I've got the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it's, Really worried about this team. Uh, they lost a couple more d- defensive linemen this week. Uh, the passing game's just not very explosive. It, this certainly doesn't feel like a playoff team. So at 22, I've got the New York Giants. That's the team that beat Tennessee. I'm rewarding them for beating the Titans. I don't think this is an overreaction because I really don't know what the Titans are going to be. I don't think the Giants, though, are going to be that good. And 22 is, frankly, not that good. I loved seeing Saquon Barkley play like that and get fired up like that. Uh, that was one of the best moments of week one, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he looked phenomenal. Uh, my only question for them is Daniel Jones still taking a ton of sacks. We'll see if he can cut that down. But overall, I thought he played pretty decent in this game. Uh, Brian Dable uh, rewarded for being aggressive. You know, about a month ago, I told you I saw some practice vid of uh, – that's what the kids say now, vid – of Saquon Barkley, and I said, man, he looks quick to me, and uh, he showed that yesterday. Uh, pretty awesome. Uh, 21 Chicago Bears, again, don't want to overreact. I might even be high here having them at 21, but I got to give their defense credit. I thought their defense was going to be really bad this year. I thought they'd be a bottom 10 unit for sure. I know they were aided by the conditions, but Justin Fields also made some plays, and you said, hey, what if Justin Fields – ends up being really special. Could this team eke out, you know, uh, seven or eight wins? Really quickly, they had two guys in the secondary, two rookies played really well, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. But the guy that I want to really zone in on is Dominique Robinson. He's a wide receiver that's made the switch to defensive end. He had a huge game here against the 49ers. If he actually is a, a player pairing him with Robert Quinn, they could be pretty, pretty decent on defense this year. By the way, very satisfying uni matchup, 49ers-Bears. Either way, very satisfying. Uh, Number 20, got the New England Patriots. Not used to having them at the 20 spot. I honestly could have put them lower. But if you look at Bill Belichick's history, the Patriots have been slow starters many, many times. I don't know that they're going to be as bad as they looked against Miami. Uh, Do you think this is a fair ranking for them? No, I think it's too high. I think the Patriots are bad, bad, bad. I mean, I, I don't think Tua played very well, and they still got shredded on defense. I, I'm really worried about this Patriots team. 
Tua may not have played particularly well, but boy, he he threw us uh, a deep post to Jalen Waddle between coverage that was right on the money. Uh, I just don't know what New England does well on offense, and I think their defense is just nowhere near as good as we're used to seeing. Well, if you want some overreaction, you're going to get some from this game in a bit. Uh, Broncos at 19. We already talked about the game last night. I think I'm being generous here, quite frankly. But um, I, I know they still have some really strong personnel. It's hard to trust that coach, though, because... I'd say he was the coach that we were the least excited about when we went over it. We uh, looked at the new hires a couple of months ago. Am I speaking out of turn here? No, not at all. And you know how much I hate teams that are undisciplined. 12 penalties for 106 yards. I mean, that's on the coach right there. (laughs) You're ridiculous. Okay, here was my hardest ranking of the week. I really want where you would have this team. This is what I want to know. Because there's not going to be anything you can say analysis-wise of this team. They were awful on Sunday. Awful. Do you know where I'm going? Bengals. No. No, this team was way worse than the Bengals. The Arizona Uh, Cardinals. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, I will give them a little bit of slack. Their cornerback situation right now is pretty bad. Um, Their starter, Antonio Hamilton, he got burned before the season started. Like He had like a third-degree burn. He is expected to come back. They traded for Trayvon Mullen. Um, He didn't play in this game with an injury. They were playing safeties at cornerback. I would expect that that part will get better here over the next couple weeks. It's just hard to know where to put these guys. I I really think the Cardinals are at best an 8-9 and team this year. I told you that in the preseason. I'm sticking with it. Um, They may even be a 7-win team. So at 18, am I high, low, just right? I think that's right for now. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we move them down a little bit. Uh, a team I have ahead of the Cardinals, they got a win. Uh, they they eked by. Marcus is not happy about it, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, they got five turnovers. Um, the offense looked pretty awful, but when they have Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, and TJ Watt all in the field together, they're pretty hard to stop. Their secondary played really well uh, in spots on Sunday. I, they made some nice plays. I know that Joe Burrow still got his despite the turnovers in this game went to overtime, but I was impressed with some of the big plays. That was just a wild game period. Your game. Uh, Steelers Bengals have played some wild games over the years. That's for sure. Staying in the AFC North. I've got the Browns at 16. This might even be a little high with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, but I think they had the blueprint. This is, what the Browns are doing right now is what the Cowboys need to do until Dak Prescott is out. Yes. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was bad in this game. Um, he averaged 4.3 yards per attempt. He had guys wide open and he just missed them. I'm a little bit worried about the Browns. Once they start to play better teams, it's not going to be for a while. Their schedule is pretty soft, but yeah, I, I, Jacoby Brissett did not inspire a lot of confidence for me. I think he'll be better than that. We know their backs are good. I know that uh, Nick Chubb is one of your favorite players in the league. Um, And then that defense. Now, the problem with Dallas is Dallas has good defensive personnel. Cleveland Browns defense is better. It's going to be hard for the Cowboys to do uh, what the Browns did. We're going to stay with Jacoby Brissett's uh, little narrative here because his former team. I put the Colts at 15, man. I think that's where they deserve to be. They're a middle-of-the-pack team. They may win the AFC South, but that I don't think the Colts will crack the top 10 this year. 
No, I think I think you could make a case they should be even lower. I, I did not like what I saw from this team, especially in the first three quarters when they scored three points. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a good feel for this Colts team. I think you can feel good about Matt Ryan rallying. Um, that's one of the reasons you got him. And honestly, if you get a quarterback that finishes strong, uh, that's exactly what the Colts didn't have last year. So uh, Four fumbles for Matt Ryan, though, in this game. I, I know I know it wasn't good. It wasn't good on a lot of points for the Colts. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, 15, I don't think they're going to crack the top 10. I think they're a mediocre team that's going to win their division at 9-8. and eight. I'm sticking with that. I've got the Raiders yeah. at 14. Talking about quarterback play, Derek Carr did not play well Mm -hmm. against the Chargers. I think the Raiders could have won that game. You and I both predicted the Raiders would win that game. What did you see? Yeah, I think Carr was just being a little bit too aggressive in this game. I don't know if he didn't quite trust his offensive line, um, but I – the Chargers are a really good team. He didn't play so bad that they didn't have a chance to win. Uh, I think he'll bounce back here in week two. I thought about switching uh, 13 and 12, um, so I'll give you them both. I've got the Eagles at 13. I've got the Saints at 12. Both teams eked out wins against inferior opponents on the road. Let's start with Philly. What did you see there? Oh, see, I think I would ha- I've flipped these. I think I would have the Eagles at 12. Um, I thought Jalen Hurts played pretty well. I don't think he was fantastic, but he was good. And if he is good in a lot of the games this year, the Eagles are going to win 10, 11, 12 games. Um, that defense though, they've, they, they've got all the pieces to be like a top 10 defense, but they just can't get stops when they need them. It's kind of, it's weird. They did lose one of their veterans for the season. Derek Barnett, uh, defensive end. He's gone. Uh, what was that? An ACL for him? Yes. Yes. Uh, Jalen hurts. It should be said his legs made a big impact in this game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could talk about his throwing all we want, but you know, in 90 rushing situ- yards. Yeah, 90 there, there you go. That's In these wild. kinds of situations, when you're playing a close game on the road, your defense isn't having a good game, you get first downs however you can get them, uh, yep. Marcus. And that's what happened. We've got the Saints at 12. I have the Saints at 12. Obviously, Marcus is just hearing this for the first time. This is a tough one to call because we both like the Saints. Mm-hmm. They played a division opponent on the road who's not a very good team, and they got down early pretty big. But then they came back, showed a lot of resilience, and won the game. And it's not like the Drew Brees-era Saints didn't have their fair share of troubles with Atlanta, even when Atlanta was not very good. I feel like Atlanta is to New Orleans as New Orleans is to Tampa. Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, the Saints got a road win in week one with their quarterback coming back from an injury, Michael Thomas coming back from an injury. That's huge. Uh, Yeah, so, hey, good for them. I will say, Jarvis Landry, I know you thought he was, as the the kids say, washed earlier this year, but seven catches for 114 yards. (laughs) But he had a really nice game for the New Orleans. Wait a minute. You're such a turd. I kept saying, why doesn't a team go out and pick up Jarvis Landry? And you were like, he's done. I think you had a plastic fork in your pocket when you said that, too. (laughs) I'm disappointed. By the way, I've got a mosquito in here that really needs to go on like Weight Watchers or something. He keeps hitting me up. I don't even know how he can even fly anymore. He's hit me so many times. Do you ever wonder about that? Like, dude, how can your wings... Are you fat shaming a fly? You're going to get canceled. I'm just... Okay. I'm just saying that he's got to be too full now to be able to even fly. Uh, All right. Who's your number 11 team? 
great. Now I feel like a fat shamer. Well, I, how else do you say the uh, mosquito is getting too big for his own good? He's get thick. Yeah, is that fat shaming? No, I don't know. I'm I'm not one to fat shame. <laughs> All right. Um, now make me feel bad. Great. Let's go to the 49ers uh, at number eleven. This might be too high. Um, they didn't play well against the Bears. I told you I didn't think they should coddle Trey Lance, and if he's not good, he's not good. And guess what? He didn't look good. And I know the conditions were a factor, but that's not a good defense you're playing. Your offense didn't put up any points. Uh, now they've lost Elijah Mitchell. What, what do you what do you make of this team? Am I too high on them? I'm just throwing everything out for this game. Okay, they dominated the first couple quarters of this game. Then things got really weird. I just we're not going to see that version of the 49ers again this season. So I'm I, I'm fine with where they're ranked right now. All right, uh, let's go to the Bengals at number ten. Um, the Bengals did not play well against Pittsburgh. They had what five giveaways, I believe, five. in that game. Five I giveaways and missed extra point and a missed field goal from 36 yards. Yeah. And uh, the coach, you know, we talk about the quarterback kicker combo, the coach quarterback kicker combo, the kicker and the coach might've failed the team a little bit in this game. Actually the quarterback did too with the giveaways, but the fact that they were able to stay in the game and have a chance to win, let's not forget that they have a new offensive line. Maybe as the season goes on Marcus and that offensive line starts to play together. uh, You remember these teams, they barely play anybody in the preseason. So new offensive linemen don't have a chance to work together. I think that's important. If their long snapper doesn't get hurt in the first quarter, they win this game multiple different ways, right? Because they make the extra point at the end of the game. They make, excuse me, it was a 29-yard field goal in overtime that they missed. 29 yards, not even close, because the, the snap was bad and the hold had the laces out. I expected the Bengals to come out slow with four new starters on the offensive line. They lost T. Higgins midway through this game. They'll be fine. It's just a, it's a tough, tough loss to, in that game. Uh, that deep interception, though, I think it was a post as well. And T. Higgins just let the corner go right in front of him and pick the ball off. Yep. I think it was late in the first half. It's like, dude, use your body and slow up and let that corner run into you and catch the ball. It's uh, super frustrating. Deep dive there on uh, – sorry for the XO talk, but kind of a disappointing game. By the way, when I talked to Marcus on the phone – I'm like, you still bummed out, and I thought it was about the Cowboys. That's not why you're mad. You were mad because Pittsburgh won in the flukiest way ever, in your opinion. You have to hear about it all day on Monday. Yes, you're right. <laughs> let's, let's go to number nine. I have Green Bay here. I punished them a little bit. Uh, poor play by the offense. You could blame the receivers, but I think you could also maybe look at the offensive line. Uh, on this team right now, Marcus, I still think the defense is pretty good. Am I being too hard on Green Bay at number nine? No, and partly because they have the same issues that they had last year. They could not stop Justin Jefferson last year. They played so much zone coverage because they didn't have, they didn't feel like they had the corners to match up against them, and he killed them. It's it's kind of mind boggling that Green Bay had this whole off season to figure out a way to slow down Justin Jefferson. And he could have easily had 200 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Yeah, I don't know what other team had their whole offseason to figure out how to stop a potential thing from happening uh, in a major game this weekend. And 
it blew up in their face. I won't mention any team that Marcus loves. Let's talk about number eight. I'm very nice about the Patriots, but it's fine. Speaking of the Patriots, the team that beat them, I put Miami all the way at eight. You've been gung-ho on this team. You've thought they were a top 10 style team. You think they're making the playoffs. They played like it in week one. So even though eight may sound really high, if you're saying this is definitely a playoff team, that to me says they're at least a top 12 team. You know, not like a seven yeah. seed. Yeah. If you're a top 12 team and you route the Patriots in week one, uh, maybe not route them, but certainly control the game, is eight too high? No, and what's scary about Miami is they didn't even run the ball well at all against New England. They averaged 2.8 yards per carry. I think once teams start to back off a little bit and start to respect the speed of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, you're going to see Miami start to really be able to run the ball. Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson, yep. Um, I like this Miami team. They've got a huge game against Baltimore this week. If they win that one, I think people are going to get really excited. Lima Swede. Just kidding. He's not on Miami. Sorry. I don't know why that came up. Minnesota Vikings are my number seven team. Let's go. Uh, Yeah. So you and I like this roster uh, before the season. I asked you if you thought they were a top five team a week ago. You said no. I think you said eight or something like that in your mind. What, what, what do you think now? Honestly, that game didn't change anything for me. I still think they're a very good team. I'm not they're not an elite team. Like they're just not. They they had chances to really put Green Bay away on Sunday. They just couldn't quite do it. But yeah, this Vikings team is good. They've got a lot of talent. And they have a rookie head coach that still has something to prove, but he got the debut win. That's big uh for them. Uh the Chargers. I thought this was a really big win for the Chargers. I thought this was a game they would lose. They're my number six team. Um, you, you get off to a 1-0 start in the division against a potential playoff team. Uh, the Chargers can ill afford a, a slow start, in my opinion. And, and uh, I, you know, we both think that this is a Super Bowl uh, caliber team. And they did it without one of their big free agent acquisitions uh, that they're leaning on this year. So I thought this was a big win. And Keenan Allen got hurt early in this game with a hamstring injury. That's right. he's, he's not going to play this week against the Chiefs. Neither will J.C. Jackson. But... To go in and to beat the Raiders the way that they did, pretty impressive. Do you think Herbert has enough weapons right now in the passing game? I think he could use one more guy. I'm, I'm still a little unsure on them. I, I, I've i been a big Chargers booster, but then the back of my mind, because it's the Chargers, I think I just lack confidence. Maybe that's why I have them at six and not in the top five. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a team in the middle of October that sniffs around the trade market and wide receiver free agent market. Like, what if Odell Beckham is healthy by mm-hmm. November 1st? Mm-hmm. Or what if T.Y. Hilton wants to play the last eight games of the season? What if Gronk... Just really wouldn't no. mind working and uh, living in L.A. That's not happening. What if Jason Witten wants to come out of retirement? <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Let's let's uh, let's go up on the list. We're at top five now. Okay. So I went easy on this team at the number five spot. They did not look good in week one. Do you know who I'm referring to? Yeah, it's the Los Angeles Rams. That is correct. Am yeah. I wrong at number five? No, I think you could drop them down a little bit further. They've got real issues on the offensive line, right? Like Joseph Noteboom did not play well. Brian Allen, their center, got hurt. The, I mean, the only guy that you have any kind of confidence in is Rob Havenstein. But, yeah, their offensive line is a problem. 
Yeah, I really wonder about this team. I wonder about Matt Stafford. He did not look good. Uh, for all the talk about Cam Akers, you know, how much is he going to be a part of that offense? And I do think this team misses Beckham a little bit. He he was really important to them down the stretch and in the postseason last year, and there's just no getting around that. Allen Robinson and Leonard Floyd, two former Chicago Bears, have really got to come up big for this team, Marcus, I think, if they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. I think Robinson's going to have a big game here in week two. Just predicting it now. Yeah, because he's on your fantasy team. Let's go to the cleanup spot. I might be too low on this team. This is another team, kind of like the Cardinals. It's hard for me to figure because I just don't – they're better than the Cardinals. I just don't know how good the Tampa Bay Bucks are. Are they a certifiable Super Bowl team? Are they a team in a weak conference that played a team that was absolutely flat Sunday night? How good is Tom Brady after that layoff? They kept stalling, uh, Marcus, every time they would drive down. Uh, I still wonder, you know, they, they don't have quite the same front line that they had last year. Am I overthinking this? I think this feels like the right spot for them. I, I think the team that, that we see in November and December is going to be pretty different than what we see right now, right? Like once – Chris Godwin's able to come back from this hamstring injury. Once Julio's acclimated to the offense, once Russell Gage has some time to mesh with Brady, the offense will get better. The defense is already really good, and that's where you should be excited. It's just this Todd Bowles defense is incredible. And I think they can just lean on that unit, and they're going to win a bunch of games that way. i tell you what, the uh, Leonard Fournette played awesome. And I'm not just talking about running the ball. It passed protection. I don't know if you guys saw the – uh, chip he had Cheap on shot. Micah oh, Parsons. Yeah, Man, um, great game for Fournette. They pulled him at least midway, if not early in the fourth quarter uh, and played the young kid. And I think Fournette still had 130 yards rushing in that game, Marcus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you, you want, I, I, I'm done talking about that game. <laughs> and, and a little bit more about that game. I thought, <laughs> let's go to number three. Just got the twist that knife Raiders. in a little bit more. What's that? Just twist that knife into my back just a little bit more. It'll feel good by then. I might have heard you the first time. I just wanted you to say it again. Every week, Marcus tells me something that I missed, and I missed, totally missed, uh, that Lamar Houston uh, led Justin Houston. to Justin Houston. Justin. Not Well, two things I missed. Number one. I had to catch up with the game, so I did not see some of Lamar Jackson's plays, big plays. When that guy is on, he is special, yeah. Marcus. He yeah. is so special. And then Justin Houston, sorry for the uh, combination platter there. Justin Lamar Houston, Houston wasn't that wasn't that a Bears defensive lineman for a while? Yes, yes. Justin Houston uh, was pretty much sitting at home all spring uh, with no suitors. No one knew if he was done or if he was coming back, he went back to the Ravens and I didn't know that he led the team in pressures. You told me that yesterday, mm-hmm. you know what? It may not be that sexy, but when you're as good as Baltimore is just getting five or seven sacks from a veteran guy like that can make a big difference. Am I too high on this team at three? Maybe they had some big injuries uh, on Sunday. They lost their left tackle, J James to an Achilles injury. That's the second, second in 18 months. They lost Kyle Fuller, who was their starting cornerback this week. We'll see. This is what happened last year. Their depth got tested really early in the season, and they were unable to to kind of overcome it. Especially in the secondary. Especially in the secondary. But, yeah, this team is so talented. Well, um, look, am I 
saying anything new about Lamar uh, no, no. Jackson when, being special. When, no, but when he's on, he's on, and it's it's he's one of the most unstoppable forces in the NFL. And I think he's one of those guys, kind of like Barry Sanders, where you know he's spectacular, but then you see a play, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot how good this guy is. Uh, yep. As ridiculous as that is to say, um, not ditto Justin Houston. So I like I like Lamar Houston. Can we just do that? The rest yeah. of the yeah, Lamar okay. Houston was a good player until he tore his ACL celebrating. <laughs> Didn't that happen to Bill Gramatica too? Yeah, I think so. Right, he jumped up after making a game-winning field goal and landed on his knee. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two, this team looked awesome in Week One. You could make a case for the number one team the way they played. Uh, on the road, I might add, the Kansas City Chiefs. Can we lump the Bills together here for a second? Because yeah. I, I feel like the gap between one and or excuse, two and three is bigger than the gap between like three and fourteen. Like I honestly, I think the Bills and the Chiefs are so much better than every other team in the NFL. It's pretty ridiculous. If we go head to head with Bills and Chiefs, uh, both have great coaches. Uh, both have great quarterbacks, although dynamic in different ways. Um, offensive line, I'll give Kansas City. Uh, running backs is pretty nebulous to me on this one. Receivers, it's pretty close, given that Tyreek Hill's not there anymore. I would say Buffalo by far. Y- y- yeah, but you have to include Kelsey in that. And I still include I, Buffalo. Okay, I, I know the Dawson Knox hype train is you know ever, ever flowing, but I, I'm, I'm not there yet. Uh, you know, and then you get to the defense and I would think that it's Buffalo. I think they need Travis White playing and healthy, but Kansas City's defense had a good game Sunday. Uh, Really quickly, two Chiefs rookies. Um, George Karloftis led the Chiefs in pressures in this game. And Trent McDuffie, before he got hurt with his hamstring injury, he was outstanding. And if he continues to be a really good boundary corner for Kansas City. That's what they need. (laughs) It's this this team is going to be really good. So number one, uh, we already talked about them a little bit. The Buffalo Bills, just to circle back, a really impressive win on the road. Yes, the Rams looked out of sorts, but part of that was Buffalo making them look that way. I thought Leslie Frazier in particular called a really good game as defensive coordinator. I'd say the same for Ken Dorsey, the new offensive coordinator. I just I am a little worried about having Josh Allen be your thumper. Josh yeah. Allen was playing like Cam Newton in 2015 out there Thursday night. Yeah, they've got to cut back on those runs. I'm okay with three or four of those a game, but you don't need him to be the guy grinding out the clock at the end of the game. So that's, we, can, we can chill with that. When did you put Dawson Knox ahead of Kelsey in your tight end rankings? Uh, a while ago, but it, it was close. <laughs> okay, so that's my uh, 1 to 32. Did you have any major issues? Did I get it right? Am I off? The, the only one that I have an issue with is New England. I, I think you could put New England right next to Carolina and Dallas and some of those teams because, like, let's just use Dallas as we've been talking about them. I like Dallas's defense better. I think the offensive lines are very similar. I think the, the weapons are similar. And I, Mac Jones is banged up now with a back injury. I, I just think this Patriots team, we loved them last year. We thought they were going to make the playoffs. They did. They lost a lot of talent, and I, I don't feel good about anything with this team right now. I think the Cowboys' weapons are better, even sure. still. Uh, sure. I mean, who do the Patriots have that's equivalent to, to Dalton Schultz or to uh, C.D. Lamb? Nobody. 
nobody. And the Cowboys still have Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. I really think they should take I do the like, page. I do like New England's running backs quite a bit, but I, I, I the point remains, right? Like the, Dallas has yes. better weapons. It's just – And Mac Jones is banged up right now. It, exactly. And I, I think losing Josh McDaniels – was a lot bigger than anybody anticipated. I, I don't think Matt Patricia can run an NFL offense against good defenses. Uh, it would be interesting to see. I, I think the Cowboys need to take, as I said earlier, take a page out of the Browns playbook and do what Kevin Stefanski is doing with uh, Cleveland right now, even though Jacoby Brissett uh, did not look good. We'll see what happens there. But really quickly, can, can we just run through like the next four games for New England? Because I want you to tell me yeah. when they get their next win. Okay. okay? They play at Pittsburgh this week. I think that's a loss with Mac Jones' situation. They play home against Baltimore after that. That's probably a loss, too. At Green Bay the following week. Oh, boy. And then they play home against the Lions. And I don't think the Lions are just going to roll over for them, you know? Uh, Their their schedule gets a little bit easier in the middle, but the end, they, I mean, they finish with like back to Bills, Bills, Cardinals, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills. Whew. Who knows? Maybe maybe it's a six and eleven season for New England. I, I, I'm wondering if it's even going to be worse than that. Like, could it be four and thirteen? Like, if the offense if just doesn't gel. Yeah, but it's hard for me to think of New England as being that bad. Uh, we predicted earlier in the year, or we we talked about it that this was a mediocre team. I thought nine and eight was a good record for them. That would be mm-hmm. a good record. You know, maybe eight and nine was maybe what more they're like. But I, I see your point. I think. One of the important things for the Patriots, though, is if Mac Jones can gut it out and they can get a road win this week against Pittsburgh, that'll build a lot of confidence and get people to quit jabbering, uh, you know, about how weak this team is and that they're kind of devoid of stars. And look, I know it's a road game, but you could beat Pittsburgh. You know, TJ Watts hurt. They're still starting Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Uh, their their weapons were, you know, how would you gauge their offense as a whole against Cincinnati? They got put in a lot of favorable positions. Horrendous. It was yeah. it was smoke and mirrors, basically. Like yes. the, any offense they had was based off takeaways. Well, that and they had their one big play in the game came off a double pass, and they ran like a double screen. I know it sounds sounds weird, but that's it. I mean, any third long, they had no chance. You know, a play that they could really incorporate in their playbook is the jump off sides on the shovel pass play. It's really, it really confuses defenses around the league. Shout out to Corlin Sutton. Elliot's a big fan of your game. Hey, don't, don't be like that. You know, Corlin Sutton, he, he can, he can, he can play. He can play. <laughs> I'm just mad about that play and that nobody mentioned it. So let's leave Corlin Sutton out of it. Okay. How did everyone miss that stanza? I don't know how. They didn't even say anything on the broadcast about it. Speaking of, did you like the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman Monday Night Football broadcast? Yeah, it was fine. Did it feel the, weird? It, it felt it, weird. I I didn't listen to it a lot because I was like watching TikTok to try to take my mind off football for a little bit, <laughs> watching how to make sourdough bread. But like, yeah, it was fine. The parts I listened to. <laughs> okay. Well, with that. Is that your final thought, or would you like to give something besides no, that's good. Sourdough that's, Bread? That's, that's, a, that's fine. All right. Uh, he is the voice of Locked On Cowboys with Landon McCool. Be sure to listen to that podcast. He also covers the Raiders for USA Today. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And uh, we might talk to you guys tomorrow. So everybody take care out there. We got some picks to do, too.
See you.